0: we ask you to bless this time as we look at your word we ask you to guide and lead us show us what you want us to see from this we thank you in Jesus name amen all right we're in Luke chapter 20 starting at verse 39 then certain of the scribes answered said master you have said well and after that they dared not ask him any questions at all and he said unto them how say they that Christ is David's son and David himself said in the book of Psalms the Lord said unto my Lord sit you on my right hand, till I make your enemies your footstool. David therefore called him Lord. How is he then his son? Then in the audi- then in the audience of all the other people, he said unto his disciples, Beware of the scribes, which desire to walk in long robes and love greetings in the markets, and the highest seats in the ta- synagogue and the chief rooms of the feast, which devour widows' houses and f- for show make long prayers. The same shall receive greater damnation. So we're looking at this. Jesus has been talking to the scribes and Pharisees. We started with the healing of the man and they challenged his authority. They said you shouldn't be doing things on the Sabbath. Where d- who gave you authority to do any of this stuff in the first place? They tried to trip him up, which we talked about last wor- week with a trick question. And I loved Jesus' way of answering the question that they gave him. He gave them doctrine. You know, one of the things, and it was just a recap from last week, one of the things we need to really keep, keep in mind when we're sharing people, is just tell them what God says. We don't have to argue with them about what they think, what they believe. We just share what God says. And and I've heard many people, and I've heard it in several Christian movies, but I've actually heard this. There are lots of people who say, we know what you Christians are against, but what do you stand for? And we need to get back on the story that the gospel is what is important for them. You know that they're sinners and headed for hell, but Jesus came and died for their sins so that they could go to heaven. And that's the simple message. Once they get saved, then we get you get them into a church and we teach them all the other stuff that they need to know. But the most important thing is that they get saved. They learn the truth of God. And Jesus, after after this, the scribes go and uh, you know, scribes are in other words for lawyers in their day. Go, you have answered very well. You've answered all these questions, all these tricks. You got all these traps you got out of. They didn't say traps, but they go. you answered well. And they were afraid to ask him any more questions of that day. They'd used up all their little bag of tricks. Have you ever talked to somebody who seems to have all their questions in a row and then you answer all their questions and they just stop asking for that, at least for that particular day? Because all their questions have been answered. They don't have anything else to try to trip you up instead of following, turning and following God. Um, And so they did not have any questions. And I kind of find it interesting that Jesus asked them a question. They were done asking him questions. So he asks them what should be a simple question, but they don't understand the question. And he asked them this question, How say they that Christ is David's son? All right, Because the Messiah had to be of the lineage of David so that he could take the throne of David. So they would always say that the Messiah is going to be David's son. All right, simple question. They're going to agree with this. Yes, the Messiah has to be David's son. And then he quotes them a psalm. This psalm is Psalm 110, verse 1. And he says, David said in his psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, sit you on my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Now, this is kind of interesting. It reads very interesting in Greek because it's the Lord and the Lord with the same word. But in Hebrew, it says Yahweh said to Adonai. <laughs> All right. So it's two different, different individuals that he's talking about as part of the Trinity. So and he's in the Hebrew, it says very differently that he's saying that there is the God, the I am speaking to the God, <laughs> Adonai, which is a, a word, another word for the one and only God. So it's kind of an interesting statement because he's saying and they understood that this was a messianic statement that God spoke to his himself (laughs) and said, sit at my right side till I make your enemies your footstool. Do You realize that Jesus right now after the victory on the cross is sitting in heaven waiting for the last part of this verse for his enemies be made his footstool. Because he had bought the title deed back of the earth. And i remember in the very beginning of creation, Adam and Eve were given the title to world the, of this world. They, they were to have dominion over this world. We were created to have dominion and rule of this world. And they sold it cheap by eating of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And they sinned and Satan took the title deed to this world at that point. Jesus came to the cross, died for our sins and and forgiveness and rose from the dead and took the title deed back, but he hasn't opened it yet and claimed the earth. Satan still has his limited dominion on this world. And always remember, and this is something I like to bring out, Satan does not get to do what he wants to do in this world. How do I know? Very simple, because if he did, mankind wouldn't exist because he would try to get rid of mankind because mankind is God's greatest creation. So Satan is always on a chain. Now, I know I've said this many times. A lot of us wish that that chain would be a little bit shorter. Now, Jesus, would you just choke up on that dog, just to, that, that lion, just a little bit and keep him a little, little closer to you and not, not so close to me? But, you know, we sang through it all. It really is important for us to understand when we go through hard times, God is trying to teach us to trust him and be able to understand that he is still in control. God never loses control of the situation. Now, from our perspective, it may look like he's lost control. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know if any of you, I love roller coasters, and I love hitting those roller coasters, and you feel like you're losing losing control, but you know you're on the track, so you, know, you, you also know you're not going to go flying off the off, you know, into the wild blue yonder as you make these. But, your, but it feels like you do for that moment. Do we trust God that when we're on that roller coaster, he's still in control? This is what we need to really understand is he never loses control. He already knows what will be. Because he's outside of time, he already knows what's going to happen. It's not a surprise what's coming down the road to, to us. He already knows what's going to be there. Do we trust him? Now, I know that I don't always trust him. I don't know nobody else in this room. Always trust him for every single thing. I trust him not more now than I used to trust him. But our whole key is, do we trust him? Because Jesus is making this point. How can this very seemingly big problem that David is going to have the Messiah, who is called the son of God, also be his, his son, and yet the elder will say that this is his Lord? hard to understand from our perspective and but God says I understand it why because Jesus even though he was born way back 2,000 years ago a little over 2,000 years ago did not start his existence at that point he existed before creation. We always have to remember this, you know, oftentimes we get to Christmas, we go, "Okay, Jesus was born. He started at that point. No, that is when he became flesh. He has always existed and he always will exist. But for about 33 to 34 years, he dwelt on earth as a man. He did not begin his begin his existence at that point in time. We get to have a beginning of our existence and then go on forever afterwards either in heaven or hell. But Jesus had an existence before, became a man, and will have an existence from that point on in a fleshly, fleshly, fleshly body. So we need to keep this in mind. Jesus is making this point. He goes, How, you know, How then for can David call him Lord if he's his son? <laughs> and this is a vi- really good point because you, know, you don't expect your, your children to be, to be mastering over you. You know, even when they had kings and queens and the son became a, you know, a king you know, a little before the father died or the mother died, they still treated their mother and father with respect and honor and didn't go bossing them around if they were smart <laughs> and keeping God's word. So Jesus asked this very simple question to the scribes. And you know what? It doesn't reveal that they answered it. It's almost like uh, we have no idea how to answer you so we're not going to answer you because we just know the Messiah is coming he's going to he's going to be son of david he's going to sit on the throne and he's going to reign he's going to reign on this world and Jerusalem's going to be the center of the of all of the government and everything's going to happen and that was their understanding. This is also the understanding that the disciples had of Jesus when he said I am the Messiah I'm the anointed one they're going okay when's the kingdom starting? That was their whole expectation. We're on the ground floor of Israel being the world power because we are his direct disciples. This is why every time he talked about dying on a cross and rising again, they did not understand what he was saying because it did not make sense to them. We're following the Messiah. He's going to make Jerusalem the center of everything. There's going to bring an army. He's going to get rid of Rome. Matter of fact, Rome is not only going to be gotten rid of; they're going to be subjected to us, and all these other nations are going to be subject to us, and we're going to be the center of everything. Because they were already thinking about the millennial kingdom, which is yet to come, at the end of the tribulation period. They were, they were looking at this. So were the scribes and Pharisees that, that understood anything about the end times facility. They did not understand that the Messiah was coming to die for sin. They ignored Isaiah 53. They uh, ignored Psalm 129 that that, uh, taught, taught these things. They were aware of them, but because they did not match what they believed, they ignored them. This is something I tell us all the time. We need to be very careful when we're reading the scriptures. If we find something that doesn't quite fit what we think we know about the Bible, then we need to either reread what it is we're learning or rethink what we think we know. There's nothing new under the sun, so you're not going to come up with anything new. But you may come up with something new to you. And I've done this very t- many times. I've come across and going, this doesn't make sense. It doesn't match up. And I go in, I do some research, and I find out it's been taught by others. But it was just time for me to learn, how, learn it. We need to remember that the Word of God is absolutely true. And anytime we read it and we don't think that it's true, the problem is with us, not the word. It's either that we did not read it correctly or we don't understand it correctly or we understand something else incorrectly that's making us doubt it. But we need to. This is why we get teachers. This is why we talk with one another. You know, and I love having questions. As you all know, I like to answer the questions when people ask me these questions because I want you all to understand. And I'm hoping that one day you all ask me questions that I have to go study. You it's fun for me to get a question that I don't know the answer to. Because I'll do the same thing that I tell you all to do. I don't know. I'm going to go research it. All right. Uh, and I'm sure that will happen. As, you know, I've been here now long enough that I'm sure some of the questions will start coming out that are going to be a little harder than than I have the answers for right off the bat. And I'm looking forward to that day. Because that'll tell me that I've taught you guys everything I everything I know, and I have to go learn some more. I'm already learning more. Don't worry about that. I'm trying to stay ahead of you all anyway, so... But I'm looking forward to the day when you guys will ask me questions that I have to go study because that is what's important. I want to see this growth. Jesus asked these guys a very simple question. Why can the Messiah be called David's son? And why is David calling him the Lord, calling him Lord? And why is God calling him Lord? (laughs) And the scribes like, uh, we don't have an answer. (laughs) We don't want to, we don't want to answer your question because we don't know it. We don't want to look silly scribe remember are the lawyers they're the educated one that would be the Pharisees in the group you know all the guys that are really smart never want to look like they don't know something even in our day you go talk to somebody who's supposed to have degrees and all this knowledge and they're going to amazing to me when they get interviewed on television they make things up as they go along you know, and you wonder like why can't you just say you don't know but they're the expert they're not allowed to say I don't know but Jesus is talking to these people and they did not have an answer to something that he says is pretty simple now many of you may not have known the simplicity of that answer anyway so this is the reason on it but these scribes and pharisees should have known their end time theology but they they focused on one part of the end times the millennial kingdom and they ignored the suffering suffering of jesus they ignored the whole idea of jacob's troubles and trials and tribulation the tribulation period had to happen to them, and they were thinking, well, Rome, Rome is occupying us. We're in a terrible place. They were in nothing compared to what the tribulation is going to be. All right, But they felt like they were not having things their way, and they did not know what was going on. Then Jesus said something very interesting, and it says, in the midst of the people, he said to his disciples. This is one of those things when you say something that is aimed at somebody else, but you want to make sure everybody else hears it. He's talking to his disciples in the midst of a crowd, knowing that the crowd is going to hear him. All right? And his first thing is beware of the scribes which desire to walk in long robes and love greetings in the markets and, uh, and the highest seats in the synagogue and the chief rooms for the feasts. This whole idea of beware. Be careful. Be leery of these smart guys, <laughs> these lawyers, these teachers. And then he started talking about their whole idea of their pride. Not that they were teachers, but they were proud in what they were doing, not in the fact that they were shepherding the people and teaching the people to be closer to God. He goes, they are, in their first place, long robes, which literally are legal, uh, regal, excuse me, not legal, regal robes. All right. They're coming well-dressed. Dressed to what it was the term? Dressed to the nines. You know, they're they're fully decked out. They've got their their suit, their ties. They're all tailored, tailored. Their shoes polishing so you can be blinded as they walk down the down the road. You know, that would be our equivalent. <laughs> all right, um, and you know we kind of get impressed when we see somebody so decked out. Like, what's special about them? Why are they Why are they dressed the way they're? And they go, This is these scribes, these Pharisees. They come fully decked out. They've got their nice long robes, their bright robes are not the dull gray robes that everybody else is wearing. They got their their chains and all these things. He goes, they're coming in there. They want you to notice them. Not only that, they love the greetings in the marketplace. Hi. (laughs) Hi. Kind of like our stars today. They they want to be noticed. They want the paparazzi around them, around them, even though they complain about the paparazzi to people. I don't really want them. No, no, no. Oh, look, look at me. <laughs> you know, look at me. No, don't, don't go away. Go away. Don't, you know. <laughs> you know they're trying to play this hum- humble game, but they were being proud of all of this. And then he says, and the highest or best seats in the synagogue. So when they went to the synagogue, they wanted to sit up on the dais where they would be noticed or at least the front row where everybody was going to see them. And they were probably bold enough to say, uh, that's my seat. If somebody was sitting there. Uh, Because they wanted the chief place. They wanted to begin being noticed. And then he goes and they want the best seat at the feast. They want to be at the head of the table. They want everybody to see that they were invited. It's their place. Now, is there anything wrong with any one of these things in particular? Not necessarily, but if you're doing it only to be seen and for the pride of it, then you're doing it all for the wrong reason. Now, it is one thing to be noticed and be, be, be noticed for a respectable reason. It's one thing to be dressed nice. Alright? So it's not a problem that he's doing it, but Jesus was saying they're doing this for all the wrong reasons. And the people knew that they were. You know, they knew that they were the type of person that get out of my seat. You know, and the only problem with that is somebody be- more important than you might kick you out of your seat. So <laughs> you, know, so you better, be, better be the one that belongs in that seat if you're going to do that. But he's saying there's no humility. There's no care. They do not care about the people that they're serving. And this is very important for us. Do we really care about others? We don't want to have knowledge for knowledge's sake. Right? I've studied the Bible a long time. I know a lot about the Bible, but why do I want to know about the Bible? Number one, I want to serve God first and primary. And I want to share it with others so that you all can serve God better. Not just to say, hey, look at me. Now, when I was a teenager and in Bible college, I was learning all this stuff for the, knowledge, for the sake of having more knowledge in everybody. <laughs> I, was, I was proud. I was one of these scribes that he was talking about. All right. I loved winning all the Bible drills. I loved winning the Bible trivia. I loved being the center of attention in the Bible study classes and the, and the youth group and everything. God had to break that of me. And because I was in the scribes place just, hey, look at me. Look how smart I am. I've got all the answers. And I've shared with you when I got out of Bible college, I was really intelligent. I knew all the answers to every biblical problem there was until I started learning things. <laughs> And realize that I didn't know a whole lot. And still don't know a whole lot. But I do know more than most. But God keeps revealing to me that I have a lot more to learn. And he's going to do the same thing for you. Every time you think you know what's going on, he's going to show you that you need to learn to trust him more, depend upon him more. And Jesus said something very interesting that the scribes and Pharisees would not have agreed with, but the people did. Which devour widows' houses and for a and for a show make long prayers devour squander widder, widow's houses now in those days they did not have welfare they didn't have anything like that the temples and the synagogues took care of the poor if they had children they did not have children to take them in the temple would take care of them the synagogues would take care of the widows make sure they were fed make sure that their houses were there and he's saying you leaders do not take care of the ones you're to take care of. You're not helping out the weak. That was one of Jesus's big problems. You're there just to get lots of money and, and, and get the people, get the finances away from the people. And that is an accusation of churches all over the place. And there are churches that still do that today. You know, it's kind of interesting. I was reading an article that uh, many of the pastors in South America and Africa are making over a million dollars a year. I don't know how they're making that kind of money. I couldn't even justify making that kind of money. Now, I wouldn't mind making more money and being able to live comfortably, but you know what? I can't imagine making that kind of money because who is not being helped, especially in those environments that need the money more than that pastor would need that that kind of money. How many widows are having their houses squandered and they're not being fed? And I'm not saying it's wrong for a pastor to get well-paid. I know several pastors that get paid fairly well because they're in big churches and that's not a problem. But there is a point in when is it pulling away from ministry to, to other people? You don't need, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to be a pastor. All you need to do is have a house and food and a nice car so that you can minister to your people. They devoured what belonged to others, It didn't leave the tabernacle, didn't leave the the synagogue. And he goes, And they like making long prayers. Now, we don't have too many people in our church that make long prayers, but I've been in churches where people make long prayers. Oh, mighty, wonderful, gracious father of all creation, please listen to us. And they haven't even got to the prayer yet. And they just like to make it look like they're very intelligent and very smart, and they know God really well. And this would be the scribes and Pharisees. Look at me. I I know God well enough that I can make a 30-minute prayer without even thinking about it, I'll pray for 30 minutes. And he says they make long prayers so they can be seen. And then, very interesting, the same shall receive greater damnation. Do you realize that the hardest thing that we have is the more that we know about God and his word, the more we're responsible for and the more we will answer to God for? Now, that doesn't mean that we just stop studying. (laughs) All right, God, I'm going to just stop studying because I don't want to know anymore. I don't want to be accountable for anything more. I don't think it works that way because I really do believe that God will then say, "You were supposed to have known this, so now you're accountable for it." <laughs> but it is a challenge. The more we know about Him and don't obey, the greater the damnation there will be, more more judgment. And these guys, I don't believe, we're saved, so they're going to, when they stand before God, they can't, they can't even say it the way they're going to. Well, I didn't know. God said, "Well, you knew a lot." You violate a lot of it. So you are guilty, guilty, guilty. And other people are going to come up, well, I know you didn't know, but you knew that you did wrong. It's very amazing to me because people go, well, what, what will God do when people from the middle of the jungles don't know, know, know the word and all this and they get, they get convicted? Well, you know what? It's very important. They may not know God's laws from the paper, but they know the natural laws. You shall not kill or steal, all those things that are natural. You know, but even bigger than that, and because we're just coming out of everybody failing to keep their New Year's resolutions, (laughs) how many of us can't even keep a New Year's resolution? We make an agreement with ourselves: I will not do such and such, or I will do such and such. We can't even keep our own rules. (laughs) And God will say, okay, you didn't didn't know my written rules? Okay, but you didn't know the nature's rules. And by the way, you didn't even keep your own rules. You didn't keep your society rules. You know, simple one, my, my favorite one to mention because I, I do it so frequently is driving the speed limit. You know, because I don't drive the speed limit, as you all know. <laughs> uh, you know, can't even keep your society's rules. So all the way down, God will say you're guilty. All the way down. And the more we know, the greater our guilt before him. Now, when we're saved, the good news for us when we're saved, it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done. We are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And when God looks at us, he says, there's my perfect child because we are wearing Christ's righteousness. We don't have to worry about this. There is this whole idea, though, that we do hold accountability before God because we know what's right and wrong. And I don't need to hands raised, but how many of us have gone through and the things we used to be able to do a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago, we can't do anymore because of what we've learned to do. And if we try to do them, God puts a little heavy hand on us and saying, uh-uh, you know that you're not supposed to do this. So there is still this greater discipline for knowing. And if you do go into something you know you're not supposed to do, God really disciplines you. It was one thing, you know, if you had a child who just did something that was really dumb or not, not intelligent, that they didn't know better, we just lightly corrected them, don't do this again. But if we had talked to them, you know, I heard it many times. How many times do I have to tell you this? Uh, You know, and I think God will tell us that same thing. How many times do I have to tell you not to do this or to do this? And there's a greater discipline for that. Now the scribes and the Pharisees are hearing all of this, but they are afraid to talk to him because every time they talk to them, he answers their questions and they don't like what they hear. He's going, I've already told you. I told you who I am. Remember when they said, well, whose authority do you teach? He asked them, well, tell you what. You tell me by what authority John the Baptist taught, and I'll tell you who my authority is. And they wouldn't answer. Over and over again, he would get out of situations that they figured there was no way that he could get out of. Do you realize when you're talking to people, the Holy Spirit will guide you in your answers? I love it sometimes when I'm talking to somebody and I start listening to myself. Because it's not me talking anymore. It's the Holy Spirit talking through me. And I'm going, I did not know this. I did not know. I can't, I'm not this good. I, I can't be talking about that. I, I don't talk this way. You know, and the Holy Spirit controls your, your mouth when you just step forward and let him. Jesus always had the right answer. He had the right answers when they thought they had him. No matter what answer he picks, he's going to be wrong. And he'd still get out of their, out of their traps. We need to be this way, listening. And when you're in the middle of a situation and you see something coming up like this, just ask God, God, give me the words to say. And if you don't have any words to say, what should you do? Don't say anything. Now, how many of us, when we were being raised, had mom or dad tell us, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all? Well, I'm going to extend that even further. If you don't know the answer and God's not giving you an answer, don't, don't say anything. Your best answer was, I don't know how to answer that. Let me go find out and I'll talk with you after I've looked it up. Because if you start making up an answer, you're going to look even more foolish than you were and you going to drive them further from God than if you had just let it go. And so for us, we need to just learn to keep things simple before God. Just simple. And before man. Our whole purpose is not to argue what sins are sins or what they're doing is wrong or all this our whole key to the world is to give them the gospel of christ they are sinners we all are sinners we all deserve hell but jesus died on the cross for our sal- for our salvation and we accept that gift will go to heaven real simple truth i don't have to argue that what they're doing is bad what they're doing is wrong because i can tell you i have never met a single person who thinks that they're perfect when you really start questioning them. Now, there are a lot of people who think they're perfect. But you don't have to go very long and ask them, well, have you ever told it like, well, once or twice? Okay. Have you ever stolen anything and you're like, well, yeah, I've stolen a few things? Well, then you're not perfect. It's not hard to get people to know that they're not perfect. And I don't have to argue the really the hard things that they're going to argue with. I don't have to argue about homosexuality and transgenderality and uh, transgenderism and uh, adultery and abortion and fornication. Don't have to argue those things. Stick with the simple ones that they know are sins and know are wrong. And once they get saved, we can start dealing with the big sins, quote unquote, or the questionable ones that they're not really wanting to, to look at. We need to be known as those who love them for the gospel's sake not to sit there and argue with them over everything they're doing wrong. Because you know what? You're going to lose that battle because every one of us have things that we do that are wrong. Last thing I want to do is get in a battle of pointing out wrong things because then people are going to point out, oh, you do this, you do this, you do this. You lose that battle. It's all about the gospel message to the lost world and the love that we have. Jesus said, they will know you are my disciples by your love, one for another, not because you're backbiting and kicking and screaming at each other because of his love, because people do not see love. And so we need to keep this in mind. God's love is what's important. Lord, we ask you to bless our time. Lord, teach us to love people more, to be more loving in our our interactions with them, to seek after them, to follow them. Teach us to not be as judgmental as we tend to be uh, in our flesh And help us to understand what is going on amongst this world. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Listening friends, do you know God? Not just know about him. Today is the day to decide to become his child. God loves you and Jesus came to die for your sins. In Romans 3.23, we are told, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all have sinned. God says, the penalty for sin is death. Romans 6:23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We sin and deserve death and hell. However, Romans 5:8 says, but God commended his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God loves you so much he died for us so that we can be forgiven and have eternal life. How do we do this?